Welcome to Private Equity Perspectives, a podcast by BDO USA's private equity practice. Each episode, BDO connects with leaders in the private equity space to discuss the latest trends driving deal activity, fund strategies, and portfolio company optimization. Hi there. I'd like to welcome our listeners to another episode of BDO's Private Equity Perspectives podcast. My name is Todd Kinney. I'm the National Relationship Director for BDO's Private Equity Practice, and I'm based in New York. Uh, Very excited to have two guests with me here today. First, uh, a a, a new and very good client of BDO's, uh, Farouk Amin, who joins us from Juna Equity Partners. Farouk is a Managing Director uh, at Juna and has experience in sourcing investments, performing due diligence, negotiating terms, and working with portfolio companies with respect to their strategy, financing, and exits. Farouk, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. Um, uh, Thanks for having me. Juna is a a relatively new private equity firm um, established by a gentleman by the name of Patrick Kochi about three years ago. It's a spinoff of GE's private equity business. Um, we focus on non-control private equity transactions uh, across several different sectors. Um, healthcare services is one of them. We also do business services, industrials, consumer, as well as media. Um, I am one of the senior uh, uh, deal professionals in the team, and we have six people in the Juno team. Great. Secondly, I'm very pleased to have BDO's own Patrick Pilch with us today. Patrick co-leads the firm's Center for Healthcare Excellence and Innovation and has significant experience providing strategy, business transformation, interim management, M&A advisory, restructuring, turnaround, and performance improvement services to organizations and their stakeholders. Geez, Patrick, it doesn't sound like there's much you don't do, huh? <laughs> well, it's great. bottle wash. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, it's great to have you here. Uh, as the co-leader of the, uh, the, the Center of Excellence and Innovation, uh, maybe you could tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself and, and sure. uh, the center. Thank you very much, Todd. And, yep. and, and, uh, and happy to tell you about the story about the center and some ideas and things we're, we're kicking around. So at the center, we see the future of, of healthcare as a shared care, shared value model. Um, and that's where the, the focus that we're moving towards as we get more into this consumerism model that's happening in healthcare. And what we mean by that is that it's the, the process of breaking down silos and connections across the continuum of health, life science ecosystems, the companies, obviously the industry's borders as well, because we get into beyond um, more of a global uh, uh, framework to really unlock value, improve patient outcomes, and improve ideally patient experiences. So at BDO and the center, we work with healthcare organizations to help achieve that vision um, by capitalizing on data, optimizing profitability, um, addressing and, and managing, helping them manage risk, and helping them compete and transform in this new model moving towards value-based payment. And most critically, importantly, is take all the services and the, and the capabilities of the firm and help them innovate patient care. Great, great. Well, let's uh, let's let's jump into the first topic, kind of broadly healthcare deal activity. Um, you know, I think we want to talk to you about you know why private equity and frankly investors in general have such a strong appetite for healthcare deals right now. I think if we look at just this summer, uh, KKR's ten billion dollar acquisition of Envision Healthcare 
which is a provider of doctors to hospitals, was really the largest healthcare buyout deal since the the financial crisis. So I guess we'll we'll start with Farouk and then Patrick. Maybe you can comment after Farouk. Um, you know, I guess the question is wh- why is healthcare so attractive to private equity investors today, Farouk? And on top of that. Do you see any particularly interesting opportunities within the healthcare middle market? And for this one, let's let's define mid market as uh, ten to fifty in in EBITDA. Sure, um, the market is hot in general right now, but there's been a flurry of activity across the healthcare services spectrum. Um, as you know, we are long into the economic cycle at this point, and the cycle at some point is going to turn. And when it does, uh, healthcare as a defensive sector is probably going to fare a little bit better than some other sectors. Um, of course, that's not the whole story. There is a significant amount of interest in healthcare also because of the long-term demographic trends that we see in, in the U.S. Um, and that's also a very attractive feature for healthcare investors. Yeah, Patrick. yeah thank you, Todd. So I would say also, too, there's a lot of cash, right, right. looking for homes. And private equity funds certainly have a lot of capital to deploy. And they're going lower and lower, more early stage. From from my perspective, what I see what's happening is that the early stage folks and smaller companies are clearly in the mid-market space because of that, and there's momentum behind that. And now firms are approaching healthcare deals as a portfolio play, not just as, you know, siloed, I'm going to go after one particular uh, thematic, whether it's a a Durham practice or um, behavioral health, et cetera, but they're looking at thematically how it fits across the healthcare continuum. And as they do that, it's much easier to scale a mid-market than it is to scale early stage or small because it just takes a while to get from there to where it is now. And to your point, I think that that we're going to see more and more of these types of deals. And I've noticed, I don't know if you have, but I've noticed more of the dipping down the private equity to where VC had been in the past. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, why don't we... uh move on to, uh, to to kind of broadly valuation trends. I think we all know valuations are sky high uh, within the healthcare space and really beyond. While there are plenty of uh, promising opportunities, some investors are more cautiously pursuing highly valued deals. I guess, Farouk, uh, I'll throw this to you and then Patrick. Um, why do you think valuations are so high right now and what could be the uh, potential implications on returns? Sure, Todd. Um, Valuation in general in the market uh, is, is pretty high, um, several different reasons. Public equities are richly valued. Uh, you have, uh, in addition to that, you have a um, significant amount of capital that has been raised uh, by a lot of private equity funds that are looking for home, um, as, as um, Patrick mentioned. And um, so the sponsors are eager to deploy that capital. Um, there's also an abundance of cheap credit in favorable terms. All these factors jack up valuation in the marketplace. Healthcare is also impacted by the cycle issue that we talked about as a defensive sector. Um, it's, it's garnered um, uh, even more interest. Um, so uh, all those factors, uh, you know, make the valuation um, very high. I think what's important is in a specific deal, um, you need to think through what's the growth profile and whether the growth profile justifies the valuation. And also if the capital structure that you construct whether that can um, withstand a realistic downside scenario. If the growth doesn't materialize for a deal that has a high entry multiple valuation, um, as well as high leverage, your returns are going to be impacted pretty severely. Some pretty good insight. Patrick, what are you, what are you seeing? Well, I certainly agree with the valuation pressures because they are there is a lot of money looking for homes. And there's two types of investors that we're seeing at a high level. And you can start seeing some of the, the funds are being raised. There's investors not necessarily with deep expertise 
in um, in understanding in an industry per se, but maybe generalists. But now they're they're going thematic. Like I want to get into healthcare, and then so that's a that's a that's a um, a lot of cash coming in, right? So we're looking for homes for that. So that that's a driver of value. But their other investors are really, I would call, the smart money investors who have deep expertise on their teams and sees, they see opportunities and they understand the implications of the investment thesis beyond traditional competitive alternatives or existing products. And this gets into real innovation that really see where the vision of this organization, this investor thesis, investment thesis could expand uh, beyond the current, uh, current models. Fantastic. And now we'd like to take a quick coffee break with BDO's Stephen Schill, who co-leads the firm's Center for Healthcare Excellence and Innovation with Patrick. Stephen will unpack some interesting findings from their center's recent candid conversations on elder care study. Hello, my name is Stephen Schill, and I'm an assurance partner and national leader of the BDO Center for Healthcare Excellence and Innovation with my colleague, Patrick Pilch. As Patrick mentioned earlier, we see the future of the industry as shared care, shared value. The need to achieve shared care and shared value is most urgent in elder care. In a race against time, elder care providers must curb overall healthcare costs under government pressure while innovating patient care to meet changing consumer-driven ideas about what senior care looks like. And they must do it amid a growing aging population. To meet elder care's urgent demands, providers are placing their bets on home health and technologies that enable it. Our candid conversations on elder care study found that providers are lessening their focus on facility-based models and ramping up investment in models like home health as they prepare for growth of the aging population. They also, seem home-based care as the top opportunity for tech disruptors to improve elder care by 2020. And providers' planned investment in home health varies by region. We think there are three key questions for providers to consider. Number one, what's behind the regional difference? Of the providers, more than half in the Northeast chose home health compared to 35% in the West. It's not what you might think. We think this shows that the Northeast is in large part playing catch up to the West when it comes to evolving traditional healthcare models to lower spending and improve outcomes. In the Northeast, you have the states that tend to spend the most on healthcare and hospital care because of the region's larger portion of elderly residents and high profile hospitals, respectively. In the West, you have health systems like Kaiser and others, which have provided a strong model of how a holistic, well-coordinated health system can keep patients healthy and out of the hospital. Providers on the West Coast may also have adopted home care models sooner than their Northeast counterparts because of their tech-centric economy. This gives them more direct access to innovative technologies that make home health models possible. One way to improve patient outcomes and lower healthcare costs 
is by moving care from the hospital to the patient's home through telemedicine, sensors and wearables, and in-home geriatric caretakers. So, while the West figured out this model years ago, we think the Northeast is upping its investment in the space to catch up. Number two, what does this mean for software companies that provide telemedicine tools and other platforms that support home health? With the expansion of telemedicine reimbursement and the race to contain healthcare costs, we expect demand for these platforms to increase. Providers need platforms that enable the use of telemedicine in conjunction with remote monitoring of vitals and wearables. But it's important to keep in mind that many elders are not familiar with new technologies and might find devices overwhelming. So educational and other support services to help them get comfortable with such devices are needed. Because much of this technology requires R&D, there is an enormous incentive for software developers to work towards credits from the IRS and state taxing authorities to help finance the development of new telemedicine and other digital health technologies. Private equity firms and venture capitalists are actively looking at these companies because they provide innovation, which in turn contributes to lower healthcare costs. This is especially good news for the West Coast which is ground zero when it comes to software development, whether it be Silicon Valley or Silicon Beach. Number three, what does the shift away from facilities-based models and towards home health models mean for traditional elder care providers like skilled nursing facilities and long-term acute care providers? Under consumer-centric high-value care, SNFs and LTACs that evolve business models to improve care quality and satisfaction, boost population health, and reduce healthcare costs will thrive. In the Northeast, this means refocusing service offerings and expertise to align better with in-home health models in tandem with providers growing focus there. In the West, where providers said their top segment of investment would be in geriatric caretakers, this means evolving service offerings and bolstering recruitment in geriatric specialties. So looking ahead, we not only expect to see increased focus on quality over quantity in elder care by 2020, but also in the long term. Healthcare providers will focus senior care more on preserving independence for longer, and they'll look to technologies like Apple's recently unveiled watch with a heart sensor to do it. Thanks, Stephen. And now back to our conversation with Farouk and Patrick. Guys, let's jump on to the next topic. Venture capital interest and investment in health tech is increasing in markets worldwide, certainly. Uh, Patrick, let's let's throw a two-part question uh, out to you. Are there certain kinds of digital capabilities that modern healthcare companies need to be successful? And how do you think healthcare companies can integrate technology successfully? Sure. So answering the first question, one of the, cons- the key success factors we're seeing in healthcare is certainly the ability to capitalize on data. And data has to be clean data uh, as we talk about it, as we refer to it. So we see companies beginning to leverage their own data to ensure sound information governments, 
uh, information governance, and understand what data lives in your house is crucial to any company's progress, right? So thinking about deploying the technology with that to strengthen the information governance is always a great first step, like controlling the asset. The data is an asset. And beyond that, integrating digital services associated with that, that strengthening the accuracy of audit, financial reporting is also key. But especially as maximizing or optimizing uh, profitability becomes more important amid, amid healthcare transformation, because this moving, we are kind of moving to an analog world, to a digital world, and so this transition is going to be pretty powerful. And at the same time, um, companies also need to make sure that they have threat-based cybersecurity processes and controls in place, meaning they need to protect their patient data and privacy, um, but also along with their intellectual uh, property as well, their own IP. The final step to capitalizing on data is actually the most advanced, and this is where companies incorporate tech like real-time data analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning to support precision medicine. Precision medicine ultimately is kind of where we were looking for, towards working towards. And remember, in the past, innovation in healthcare meant we're going to keep, we're going to continue to sustain the model. Where we're going right now is no, we're not sustaining the model. We're breaking it, disrupting it. But in that disruption and, and transformation, there's a lot of risk associated with that. So these are kind of the recipes for preparing companies for that movement. Good stuff, Patrick. Very impressive. Uh, Farouk, I'll turn this one to you. I guess we know that Juna has uh, improved many of its portfolio companies' operations uh, by enhancing their digital capabilities, uh, particularly with data analytics. Within the realm of healthcare, what kinds of technology do you think will be critical for PE owners to integrate into their healthcare portfolio companies to really ensure success? Sure, Todd. Um, Healthcare, as you know, is transforming from fee-for-service to value-based care, which requires much more sophisticated patient knowledge. Making complex health data useful and actionable is a real challenge. Um, Current manual processes can't do the job well and are often prone to accuracy challenges. So technology will play a big role in providing the solutions. Um, One of our portfolio companies is a SaaS healthcare company that provides risk and quality solutions for value-based care and has payers and providers as its customers. Great insight, Farouk. Um, this is the, uh, I hope you guys both brought your uh, your crystal balls today. Patrick, I do. I, is that I what's right in your here. pocket there? Yeah, pocket. okay. Farouk, cool. you got yours? Yep. All right, this is where we get into the future of, uh, of healthcare. Um, you know, quite a few massively significant deals and disruptive forces are on the horizon uh, from, from Amazon's emerging healthcare arm to the pending CBS Aetna deal. Uh, Patrick, uh, I'll throw this one out to you. So what should healthcare investors and healthcare companies expect in terms of deal activity and disruption, really, within the next year or so? Sure. So, so Todd, I would say let's take a step back um, and look at where value-based, the value-based payment or value-based care movement is going. It's really going to be very transformational and also actually have a, a restructuring impact on the healthcare industry. There's a lot of uh, literature out now in the market that talks about this. So certainly there's going to be a lot of disrupt, disruption, capital shifts, realignment of assets, et cetera. This is going to create some huge challenges for companies, but also some, uh, certainly some tremendous opportunities. But I do think the real major change in opportunity comes down to do, two words, digital transformation it's so much more than an organization's front-end capabilities and communication in terms of uh, clinical interfaces with consumers of healthcare services and that consumer engagement we so enjoy in other industries. 
but also at the back end. So think about the front end being very much digital. If your back end is really much analog, you have a misaligned organization and not as efficient as it can be. So companies really need to understand how, the, how to become a true, truly digital healthcare organization. I think that's where there's tremendous opportunities for investment. Um, I think there's an, an creation of value. I think that some of these companies who have, that have great front ends in, in terms of analytics on patients, consumers of healthcare services, but if they, if they have to go back to the back of the house, if you will, the finance office strategy, it's really dated. It's living in another century sometimes. So we need, from an investor perspective, to understand how these digital capabilities need to be consistent throughout the business so that those, there needs to be certainly a shift in mindset around what to look for in healthcare companies. If you're coming in as an investor and the front end is very digital, the back end is not, there's your, your transformational opportunity and you can add a lot of value. It would be an incredible opportunity to invest in a company, however, that creates the whole front end and back end digital solution for healthcare organizations. I think that's where there's a, a tremendous um, opportunity there. Awesome. Lots of tips and uh, insights for yeah. our listeners. Farouk, uh, what do you foresee uh, for the healthcare industry and private equity investors in the space? Yeah, I agree with Patrick. There's no doubt that uh, massive dig- digital transformation is occurring across all industries, not just in healthcare. Um, we think that uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence are also likely to have a massive impact um, in the global economy and, and all the businesses, uh, particularly um, uh, in regards to the size and structure of the workforce. Um, uh, so when you make a, a, an investment, you have to think through the implications um, uh, of these changes. Um, in terms of deal activity, I expect healthcare IT physician practice management, as well as behavioral health care to continue to be very active subsectors for mid-market private equity investors. Fantastic. Well, guys, again, Farouk uh, Amin with uh, Juna Equity and Patrick Pilch with our Healthcare Center of Excellence and Innovation. Thank you both for uh, taking the time to join our show today. Uh, I, I know our listeners are really going to enjoy uh, hearing about your experiences and, and insights and predictions for the future. We'll come back in a year and, and see if you guys were right. Sounds good. Yeah. Farouk, you game? Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review of the show on iTunes. Uh, until next time, all my best. Take care. The views presented by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of their respective firms. Thank you for listening to the Private Equity Perspectives podcast. For more information on how BDO supports private equity sponsors, funds, and their portfolio companies with a full spectrum of accounting, tax, and advisory services, please visit us at BDO.com. If you enjoyed the show, we hope you visit iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Join us next time for another edition of Private Equity Perspectives. Perspectives.